0: This this is Brock and Saul. Brock
1: Heward and Mark Matt Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike presented by
2: Carter Volkswagen and Ballard on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Have- now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and
1: Mike Saul. Ah!
2: Alright, here we go. It is the Brock and Salt Show on Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, the Seattle Sports app, you name it. We are everywhere, all at once. It's amazing. Everything we're capable of in this day and age. Welcome back. Thanks, buddy. It's good to be back.
3: Why are you welcome, welcoming him back like we weren't all gone?
2: That's just seeing each other in this room. I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> hey, welcome back. You two more. Welcome back. I don't feel Thanks. happy. I don't feel happy about being back. Oh, well, you kind of made that clear
3: la- Friday. <laughs> you did not want to leave Arizona.
2: I don't want to do the show today. <laughs> I just want to go back down to Arizona. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in the rain and the cold and the wet weather. I want to be back right now at the facility here in the cleats clacking. Oh. Watching the sun come up behind us over the cactuses and the ball fields and everything else.
3: The sun wouldn't be up and you'd be complaining it was cold right now.
2: I know, but I'd be (laughs) getting ready for the rest of the day, which was going to be warm. And I'd be excited about, you know, just being around baseball all day. I got to tell you. I really, really enjoyed myself last week. Yeah, I was wondering where this one – because you guys made a lot of references to the amount of years that you'd spent in spring training together and how different this was and how great every guy was. And I was like, well, where does – I know there's a recency bias, but is it a top three? Oh, I think it – in many ways, number one. I mean, because it's coming for a few reasons. First of all, it was great to get the four of us all together and just spend a week together. I thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed it, and, you know, teams are cool. Right. And, you know, this isn't as relevant necessarily to everybody outside uh, who's listening as opposed to the three of us. And, and Brock will join us a little bit later. But just to be able to hang out together at night and, and do some top golf and all that is just legitimately enjoyable. It was fun. Yeah. We got a fun group. And when more not being incredibly mean to me, the rest of the time, like, was really fun. I mean, that part's not fun. That's right. just, you know, straight mean. But other than that, it was uh, that, you know, really fun. So th- had a
3: nice talk with your parents. They didn't seem to mind.
2: No, they seemed to enjoy that, which I guess is sort of, you know, telling <laughs> maybe maybe in its own right. But uh, so there's that. Two. Th- this is the most interviewable Mariners team we've ever had. It's the most interviewable. doesn't mean they're going to win the World Series, and it doesn't tell you, quite frankly, anything about their ability to win baseball games. But they are the most interviewable. There are more good interviews on this Mariner team than on any team we've ever gone down to. It's not even close. I mean, just thinking about everybody that we talked to, what do we have, eight or nine interviews over the course of the week? and there were still more guys that we would have liked to have talked to and would have liked to have had on the air, but eventually we sort of just ran out of time and space, and, you know, Bob and Dave are going to be down there in a couple of weeks, and Bob and Stacy will do some interviews once they start going to the night game, so it's not like this is the only place you can hear, you know, in Mariner interviews, but it, they have so many guys that are interesting and enjoy talking and are friendly and, and thoughtful, et cetera. I mean... <clears throat> Who was the best interview of the week? I mean, you you could sit there and think about that for a while and have quite the little debate. Cal Raleigh was so different than he was a year ago. Jared Kelnick was super intense but really thoughtful about his own personality and his own experience. Julio was obviously magnetic, right? Paul Sewald, incredibly interesting dude who really seems to understand what it means to be a mariner and is in many ways the poster child, the joy of Eugenio Suarez. Tente Oscar's I, I, willingness to be vulnerable and... So it's a really, really, good. really challenging question to try to figure out who you enjoyed talking. To. I love Logan. I think he's one of my favorites. Matt Brash was way back at the beginning. He was awesome to talk to. There's never been a Mariner team that had that many guys, and we didn't get to talk to Ty France or Casey Sadler or some of the other guys on the team that are also very interesting interviews and enjoy it and like talking to, to you know about their situation. So from from just my own personal you know having you know trying to do my job well there was that i'll also add a third thing that was a bit new this time which is you all of you listening your interest in the mariners was higher this year than at any other point we've been doing this i mean i'll be i'll be honest with you there are there are years where i've gone back and looked at the ratings for our spring training week yikes not great Mm-hmm. Right. Where I've gone back and been like, I mean, I'm glad we did it and it's valuable and it's going to make, you know, the relationships that we build, et cetera, you know, were maybe worth the hit. But the interest in all of the Mariner interviews wasn't there. Now, the interest was absolutely there. And, you know, there were years where we were down there talking Seahawks most of the time. Right. We we're like, we were doing interviews and a couple of observations sprinkled in, but in a four hour show or 3-hour show at times we were doing we were doing mostly Seahawks stuff because that's what the audience was most interested in and when we went to Mariners there wasn't as much engagement there wasn't as much interest and the ratings quite frankly dropped so to to feel as if we could do essentially entire shows in March on the Mariners as they reported to spring training was for me as a baseball fan who grew up with sports radio primarily not entirely but primarily as a vehicle to talk about baseball it, it was that was awesome yeah. and so that that is going to continue i think into this year as the interest and the intrigue around this team continues to build because Seattle's hooked they really like this team for good reason as they should this is a fun team that's going places so that would be 3 The fourth is they're good, right? I mean, like, they're just a good baseball team. I don't know if they're going to be great. I don't know if they're going to end up winning the World Series. I don't know if they're going to even make the playoffs this year. Injuries could certainly waylay their opportunity to do that. Maybe somebody doesn't hit the way they're supposed to or pitch the way they're supposed to. Maybe the Rangers go crazy and everybody on that team stays healthy and they are the platonic form of themselves and they end up racing ahead of you. Maybe the unbalanced schedule or the more balanced schedule screws you up, the new rules. There's a lot of variables in making the playoffs in a 162-game baseball season. But this is a good baseball team. I've been around teams that are good and been around teams that are not. This is a good team, and they know they're good, and they know that they still have to work hard in order to be great. So, you know, I'm going to go through probably tomorrow. I started collecting my thoughts last night, and I wrote a little, little stuff, but I think I'll start, you know, really digging into it tomorrow of sort of the five big questions now as as you head into the into the regular season in a few weeks. And, you know, I I do definitely come away from it saying that there's a good baseball team. And one of the questions, I'll give you a sneak preview for those of us who wake up very early in the morning. One of the questions on that is going to be, how do they complete this team? They're not done yet. They're not. That was one of the things I came away viewing. Like, look, they're good. And if Kelna continues to mash like this, that'll help. Right. But if the young pitchers don't pitch well, eh, that'll take you in the opposite direction. Both, uh, you know, both Gilbert and Kirby and Brash, quite frankly, all three of them have not pitched well in spring training. Am I panicking about that? No, of course not. It's spring training. Two of those guys have been out on the mound once in a game. But think about how much you have riding on two of those pitchers, especially continuing to take steps. So I'm, I'm not convinced that they're complete. I'm convinced that there will be an addition at some point during this during this off during the season. I don't know whether it's going to be in spring training or whether it will be before the July, you know, 31st trade deadline like they did last year with Luis Castillo. But just seeing them and and it does it just feels like they're good right now and they're probably a player away from being great and they'll need to tr- sort of figure out where that player fits. So this, to me, goes back to the old adage, right? Roughly 50 games in each third of the season. I don't want to get you to 150, but you know what I mean. First 50 games Mm -hmm. is going to be about determining who you are and figuring out where your holes are. The second 50 games is probably going to be about fixing those holes. Last 50 games, that's the Mariner team that you really want to be. Right, That's the team that is truly going for it and going for the jugular. So they may take 50 games to figure out what's going on in left field. They may take 50 games to figure out who's their DH. May take 50 games to figure out who's injured and what slots need to be fixed. They may take 50 games to figure that bullpen out and whether or not they got enough arms out there. But my guess is during the second 50 games, they've still got the resources both in the minor league system and in their their, their payroll to be able to fix some of that. And I think they will. And then you move on and you go to the last 50 games, last 30 of your season, which is the true sprint to try to figure it out and and, and get to get to the promised land. So I uh, I do come away excited for all of those reasons. It was great hanging out. It was great being around this group of guys. It was great being around a team that is good and a fan base that truly is interested in what they're up to. So, fun week. Fun week. I'm kind of unwilling to stop talking about it, but we do have a ton of football to talk about this morning. Anthony Richardson is the story of the day and we'll be taking some calls on him coming up in 20 minutes. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710sealosports.com Need to know.
4: 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
2: Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, the good news, a nice little win for the Mariners yesterday. We saw some important pieces doing work. Chris Flexon threw another three scoreless inning. He's been fabulous so far. Scoreless innings as well for Diego Castillo and Paul Seawald. Actually, it was Castillo who probably had Scott Service most excited yesterday.
1: Yeah, I thought Flex was really sharp today. Again, change up in the strike zone. That's something he struggled with last year and he's been focused on it this spring, and he did it today. But uh, obviously all of our guys threw well today. Uh, Seawald, first time out there, looked sharp. Really excited about what I saw from Diego Castillo today. Uh, he's been working on a changeup to mix in with his, his sinker and his slider. He threw five or six of them today, and I thought they were outstanding. Uh, He had good results with it, and he he was happy with it, too. Yeah,
2: all of that was great, and the pitching is good, and that's what's going to carry this team, but I think I know what everybody's most interested in.
1: Here's the next pitch. Kelnick swung on high drive. Center field. Just going to watch that baby get out of here. Over the batter's eye, J.K. Jared Kelnick with a home run. Wow, his fourth of the season. There was no doubt about that one.
4: Five-nothing Seattle.
2: Yeah, he hit that ball a long way to dead center field. It just feels like every time up, he is a threat to do that. Right now, I mean, hitting balls well over hundred miles an hour. That one went four hundred and forty something feet to straightaway center. He's not pulling everything. Look, he's doing everything right. I'm excited. Sue me. I don't. I don't want to tell you guys. I'm pumped about the uh, about the spring training that Jared Kelnick is having. He's hitting 412 with four home runs and an OPS over 1100. Not bad. That's spring training numbers. That's not bad for spring training. They don't mean anything yet, and he's got to do it in the regular season. But yesterday didn't come off some scrub, came off an all-star reliever. Mm -hmm. So, look, I don't know what it means for him yet. I'm just excited that he seems to be moving in the right direction. Unfortunately, kind of a rough entry for George Kirby over the weekend. Both he and Logan Gilbert had tough first starts after being held back a little bit early. So, hopefully, they're just a little behind and can catch up because (laughs) when you start thinking about the order of importance of – how important those guys are for your team's success this year, I don't know that you could put enough emphasis on it. They are everything. So to see them both struggle, no, I'm not worried about it, but it's something that obviously we'll be monitoring.
0: Here's the second thing you need to know. A broad jump of
1: 10-9, and here he is running a 40-yard dash, and oh my goodness. <laughs> It rolling. is full Moses Malone. <laughs>
2: uh, four, four, four. Four, four, four for Anthony Richardson running the 40. He was the talk of the combine and why not? Had one of the best combine performances ever. Showed that he has like Cam Newton-like size, speed, skills, etc. And I'm talking early Cam, not late Cam once he started to break down. I'm talking about physical freak Cam Newton. Dan Orlovsky, he's pretty impressed with what he sees. I
1: want to remove the phrase or the word project from Anthony Richardson. I don't see him as that. I -hmm. see him as an opportunity or an investment. This young man is a unicorn. I mean, he is uniquely talented with his size, his athleticism, and his natural throwing. When I hear project, I hear hear of a guy that you got to get him better as a thrower and whatnot, or it's Mm -hmm. not natural. I don't see that with Anthony. I just see a young man that's crazy talented, that needs good quarterback coaching. Whoever drafts him, if they have that, and you're patient. You got a superstar, top five player at the position in the NFL.
2: Aren't the Seahawks legitimately in a great place to be able to do that? Potentially with Geno Smith back to take that job for a year or so. The roster that is not going to leave him abandoned. There's talent, especially throughout that offense. A couple of bookend tackles, a running game. All the things you would need to try to take a talent like that and make him special. Is he going to be available at number five? He should be. Unless all of a sudden he leapfrogs the other guys in this draft class, although they had pretty good combines as well. So we'll discuss coming up here in about 10 minutes. Tomorrow's also the deadline to franchise players. Keep our eyes peeled for news on Geno Smith. More and more, it looks like they would let him test the market. Does he want more than Daniel Jones? I would if I were him, because I think he had a better season than Jones did. And Jones reportedly wants over forty million dollars and has already turned down high thirties. So this 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 is interesting. And for whatever reason, there isn't much of a market for Geno Smith services. But we'll see if that changes if he actually gets to the open market. By the way, Bobby Wagner, who is uh, looking to find a deal to catch on with a new team, going to have a little bit of competition. The Minnesota Vikings just released linebacker Eric Hendricks, a longtime star in this league as well.
0: Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, now four
2: straight wins for the Kraken. Coming off of three straight losses, they've bounced back. The latest yesterday over the defending champs in Colorado, in their building, even sweeter. Just fantastic. have tied it up with under three minutes left, and Yanni Gord has sent everybody home.
0: Kraken have had the puck, I believe, a whole overtime to this point. Now, Yanni Gord is in. He scores! Hey, hey, what do you say?
2: a nice goal from Gord, but really an even better pass from Vince Dunn to set that thing up in the three-on-three. Kraken take eight out of eight points on that little road trip. GM Ron Francis also electing to stay quiet during the trade deadline. Refused to pay any of the steep prices for rentals. But he also didn't let anybody get away. I don't know. It's a risk. My personal view is generally you either want to be buying or selling, that you want to commit. But I don't know that I've ever watched a new franchise try to build itself into something. The goal, I'm sure, is to be sustainable. So I don't know if they couldn't get done what they wanted to. I don't know if they just love this team as much as they say they did. Quite honestly, their best deadline upgrade will be if and when they get Andre Burakovsky back, who's been missing essentially since the All-Star break. He was their leading scorer when he got hurt. They need him back. Apparently, that's still another couple weeks away. There you go. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock Show. 19 cracking games remaining. That's, that's it? it? That's it. Yeah, you're probably going to play at least four or five more without Burakovsky. So let's say you get him back with 12 to 15 games to go. Right now you're in third place. You're two points out of second. You're four points out of first. You still got games remaining with the Kings and and, uh, and Knights. So there's still opportunities to get ahead of them. I'll tell you, you got to just continue to play good hockey like you did, you know, over over these last four games where you beat some bad teams and some good teams. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think, you know, taking what uh, five out of six points this year. From Colorado, the defending champs is pretty good. Just can't go on another one of those five, six-game skids. Can't really afford that. Thankfully, Calgary's not playing great, et cetera. So I I think you're probably going to make the playoffs, but it would sure be nice to get one of those top two seeds and not have to be a wild card, et cetera. So see if they're able to pull it off.
3: games of the season are against the Golden Knights, so those
2: will be important. And they still got to play Dallas twice, best team in their division. So there's some tough games coming up that we haven't seen yet. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to open up the phones. I know it's early. I know it's not even 6.30 in the morning. But, A, I think the three of us need a little wake-up call, and I think we need to talk to you guys. (laughs) We're still a little sleepy, trying to readjust to the time change, etc. Here's my simple question for you. After everything you saw from Anthony Richardson this weekend, and, of course, you know the other quarterbacks who may be available in the top five, how will you feel if the Seahawks take quarterback in number 5? How will you feel? You want them to do it? After everything you heard and saw from Richardson this week, do you want them to pull the trigger if he's available at number 5? Do you want them to trade out to a desperate team? Will you be mad because the defense is obviously their biggest weakness? Or will you be excited because you got a chance to add top five talent at the most important position in sports? I'm going to give you my take, but I got to hear from you guys. I know you got to have an opinion on this one, even though it's early. 206. What's our phone number again? I'm sorry, 866-979-3776. It's been a while. 866-979-3776. I got to the 206 part. And I was like, wait, that's not wait, our wait, number wait anymore. Minute, Do I have to give out my don't number? I calls
3: for one Friday and you.
2: Forget. I know. I, I almost gave out my own number, which I've <laughs> done, which I've almost done a few times on this show before. No, 866-979-3776. How will you feel if the Seahawks draft a quarterback at number five? in next month's draft. Yes, next month is the draft. We're almost two months away, but let's call it next month's draft. How do we feel? 866-979-3776. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.
0: This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska
2: Airline Studio.
0: Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the
3: Seattle Sports app. You
2: guys want Anthony Richardson? He just had the most ridiculous combine in history, right? He was absurd. Everything he did was incredible. He ran well. He threw well. He interviewed well. Everything about Anthony Richardson jumped off the page. By the way, he's not the only one. All the quarterbacks had pretty good combines. Top three guys, anyway, all helped themselves in different ways. Bryce Young was big enough, short, shorter than Russ by about a half an inch. Weird. But big enough, but but big enough. He weighed in at, I think it was 203, 204, something like that. And there were some questions about whether or not he would be big enough, and he was. Stroud threw it really well. Apparently that was one of the big conversations among scouts and everybody there. I saw Matt Miller tweeting about just how impressive CJ Stroud was. And then Richardson was a freak. So what are the chances one of those guys are available for you at number five? Probably pretty good if you start moving Richardson into that category and you know that Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and maybe even Tyree Wilson, that all of them are going to be in play in those first five or six picks. So if that's the case, and by the way, somebody could still fall in love with Will Levis, although his name seems to be sort of being shuttled back a little bit right now. How will you feel if the Seahawks end up drafting somebody there? I am, before I get to your calls, and I got some people hanging on here, 866-979-3776. I will just tell you. This one is especially hard for me. It hurts. This one's hard. I have said over and over again that I don't really want them to do that. Because when you get the wrong guy in the top five at quarterback, it screws up your franchise for a while. Right? When you draft Kyler Murray or Zach Wilson or one of these guys that just isn't good enough in the top five, Mitchell Trubisky, right? Right? You commit a couple of years to that player and you waste a top five pick. They bust out, as Brock will tell you, one-third end up being great, one-third end up being okay, one-third end up being terrible. That means you get two-thirds of the top quarterback picks that aren't worth being franchise quarterback picks. Carson Wentz. Right? I mean, there's a lot of those guys. So I, I look at the odds and they tell me, ugh, don't do this. This is a mistake, especially when you have as many needs as you have on defense, especially when so many other teams are desperate for quarterback and might trade into your spot and you can still get the player you wanted anyway, but with even more draft capital behind it. So everything in the world tells me that this is a bad idea, but I'm sorry when I listen to guys talk about Anthony Richardson, I get excited. I can't help it. I am human. I don't have a full control over all of my emotions. When I when I hear this I from Matt Miller scouts last night who had been in interviews where they had all four of the top quarterbacks
1: back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. every single one of them said Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback interview they've had this year. Some of them say it's the best quarterback interview they would have had last year. Wow. Really? He is crushing it in the interview portion. What happens behind us on the field is important. It's fun. That's why we're here. But the interviews are why the players are here, and he's crushing it. So if you can win the combine as a quarterback, you do it in these meetings, 15-minute speed dating yeah. that they do, and
4: he's crushing it right now.
2: Well, I mean that's just one thing, I and mean, everyone is talking about him, what he did on the field, off the field, et cetera. And the other guy's still pretty good too. So how will you feel? I give you my I give you my my thoughts there eight six six nine seven nine.
3: Yeah, go you can argue the other way of what you said too about how you can take a quarterback with a top five pick and get the wrong one and mess everything up. But you can also look at, like I'm looking at because you love Lamar Jackson so much. Mm. Right? I'm looking at the draft in 2018 when he went pick 32. The Browns took Denzel Ward at pick 4. You don't think they could use Lamar Jackson right now?
2: I think they probably the could. The
3: Cardinals took Josh Rosen. That What's was this? a mess. Josh Rosen? Uh, the Saints Whoa. took Marcus Davenport. They've needed a quarterback pretty much since. since Breeze left. Um the let's see. You can I mean you could just keep going. The the Lions took Frank Ragnow. A center.
2: Who's good, <laughs> by the way. Who's somebody the Seahawks but, could But use. like
3: they still probably need a quarterback too. Jared Goff's been decent, but they're still looking the Panthers took DJ Moore. The Falcons took Calvin Ridley, also yeah. good, but like a lot of these teams could use a Lamar Jackson.
2: That's totally fair. They all passed on him for various reasons and now he's going to be a, you know, franchise quarterback. No, you're right that it does go in that direction as well, but gosh, setting your franchise back. Like if you if you take a good player who's not a quarterback at number 5 or 6, if you take Will Anderson, you haven't set your franchise back. You've maybe missed out on an opportunity, but you haven't sacrificed multiple years of, whoops, this just didn't work at all, but we had to try it because we drafted this guy as high as we did. All right, let me hear from the people. 866-979-3776. Let me start off with Rick, who's in North Fork. What's going on, Rick? Good morning.
4: Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for stealing my thunder. Oh, sorry, buddy. Uh, I agree with about 90% of it. But you're looking at it from the negative side. If you look from the positive side, they've got the way Richardson checked out, and you already know that Stroud, and the, you know those guys are good. Top five picks, are, are there are going to be three quarterbacks taken, and there's going to be people salivating for the Seahawks pick. So you've got options, and uh, I'm, I sort of lean towards the defense. That's the biggest need. They've already got a, a a good starting quarterback. Or you could go... Picking Richardson and franchising Gino and letting him do the same thing that uh, Alex Smith did with uh, Pat Mahomes.
2: Well, if you if you franchise Gino, you got to make that decision today. You can't wait and do that I after know. the draft. I mean, that's a decision you've got to make today. And I don't think they're think going that's to do why that. Why
4: they have that date after the the combine? These GMs are all like scratching their heads right now, but mm-hmm. they're in a good place. That's the way I see it. All right, so, so, so here's that. the question then, Rick. Let's you say you can't lose going with I think you can't lose going with e- either three of those quarterbacks.
2: So if this draft goes right. the way a lot of people think it does, and it gets to you at number five, okay, and you have your choice, two of the quarterbacks, Stroud and Young, are off the board, and Carter is off the board, and maybe uh, Tyree Wilson is off the board. And your choices Anderson? are Will Anderson, Anderson or, or Anthony Richardson. What are you Give doing? Give me Buckus, huh? Give, Give you Buckus. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. the call. Thanks, Rick. That's that's a good way of answering. I don't know if he plays quite the same spot as Buckus, but I like the thought behind it anyway. Okay, how about you, Justin? That's the scenario I'm giving you. Gets to you at number five. You want Will Anderson, defensive end, pass rusher, outside linebacker type, do. or do you want Anthony Richardson with everything he could potentially bring to your program? I want Will Anderson. I don't, I don't, this one's not that hard for me. I don't know why. I really? think it's Maybe just because I have, I have so much more, I've thought so much more about Will Anderson, and obviously after watching two years of historically not very good defenses, and what Geno can do. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let me ask it to you a different way then. Let's say it goes more chalk. Let's say when it gets to you, the four players off the board are Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud. Okay, that's Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, or uh, or Tyree, oh, Tyree Wilson. Wilson, Tyree Wilson. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> now what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, these are, this well, is it's a good <laughs> thing you're not in the draft room, man. This is like this is the career defining draft for John. Like, yeah. This is the top, the highest pick he's ever had. And to be fair to you. You don't have as much information and as many resources as he does. No, no way. You don't know everything that he knows. You didn't get to interview these guys. You weren't there in person. You haven't watched hours and hours and hours of tape. Yeah. But, you know, this is absolutely one of those decisions that he's going to have to make that, you're right, will define his career in many ways post-Russell Wilson. And you know what? If he finds himself in that spot, maybe he trades back. I trust John's right. I mean, guy. maybe he says, hey, you know what? These guys are all good, but I can get to seven or eight and it's still just as good. I don't know. Like you, you got to get elite talent out of this draft. If you think you can still get it there, if you know, one of the other, the Clemson kid or one of the other guys is there that you think is just as good. Great. But you got to make sure you get difference making talent. Out yeah. of this draft eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Let me go to Steven Who is uh, Oh, he's in Arizona We're jealous Stephen, uh, good morning What would you do uh, At number five How would you feel If the Seahawks drafted a quarterback
1: Well, first off I'm just going to say Don't get rid of
4: Mora She completely ruined my thunder Because now she's got me Second guessing my choice <laughs> She's a genius I'm thinking Well, I mean, I'm glad you said That we Omar were thinking Jeff About getting rid now. of Mora
2: But
3: th- <laughs> then you right.
2: called Love And now so I guess out. we'll keep her Yeah <laughs>
3: Appreciate yeah, so health, I'm
1: glad I appreciate your help. I'm glad I have that weight yeah. in your staffing ability. <laughs> but, um, no, I would, I would say definitely trade down and get two defensive. And then if Anthony's there, i take Anthony. But it, you lose way, way too much
2: when you're putting on top five Well, hold on. on wait, 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 wait. Which is it? You it's just said not... if he's there, you take him.
1: And you See, this is what I'm telling you. I hate Mora, but I also love Mora because, you know what? She got me thinking about it. You take him, but then she got me thinking about – Everything with Mar Jackson. I was like, you know, you don't
2: take him. Steven. I don't know. Steven, yes. what do you do at number five? How <laughs> do, you, do you take a quarterback there or not?
4: You <laughs> take
1: a quarterback there because
2: not?
3: is a genius. <laughs> I like it.
2: I mean, I guess that's good reasoning. That's my, and if this is a fantasy draft, I'm right there with you. I yep. follow Moore's advice. For sure. <laughs> Career-defining fantasy drafts. <sighs>
3: so, I – by the way, I, I would not be mad if they – Took a defensive player. My whole thing is, I we've talked about this before, I trust John Schneider's judgment on quarterbacks mm-hmm. after what he was able to see in Russell and what they were able to do there. Hearing some of the names that he has fallen in love with that have worked out, like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, to me, if they move up and take one in the top five, I'm going to trust that he, he sees something that he thinks they can...
2: When I look at the quarterbacks that are potentially in this draft, the first two guys off the board don't seem to fit that mold. Good players, not not taking a shot at either Stroud or Young. They don't fit that John Schneider freak mode, mm-hmm. right? John seems to fall in love with the body or the arm or something that is so spectacular that he can't resist it, right? Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes certainly being in that in that category. I don't know whether the first two guys have that. Right. Uh, Young's quick and he moves around a little bit and he's really super smart, accurate. He's actually a very good fit for what the Seahawks like to do. I don't think he's going to be available. But regardless, I don't I don't know that he's got that unbelievable skill that John seems to fall in love with. Uh, Same with with Stroud. Good passer, a great passer, maybe. But again, doesn't seem to have that one incredible skill. Richardson and, to a lesser extent, Levis have some freak show ability, the size, speed, strength combination that John does seem to appreciate <clears throat> when he's salivating over quarterbacks. So is that enough for him to pull the trigger on one of those guys? We've heard rumors at times that John really likes Will Levis, and Richardson just seems like a much better version of that. And here's the thing about him, if you, if you want to talk yourself into doing this. Let's say Brock mentions his low light reel. Brock's going to come on here in 15 minutes, and I guarantee you he will talk about the low light reel, right? The mistake reel. Yeah, the highlight reel is great, but what about all the mistakes? Which, by the way, would drive Pete Carroll crazy. Can you coach those out of him? Maybe Dan Orlovsky seems to think so, but I I, I think that the that the highlights and the and and the the, the, all of the things he's capable of doing, even if he doesn't even if he doesn't throw the ball well at all, if everything Brock says comes true, you know, what he can still do run. Four, four. Right.
3: At six, four, 240 so, so
2: what if he's Lamar Jackson? Right. What if, what if he doesn't throw the ball? Great. What if he makes some bad decisions with the football? Can you turn him just like, OK, this isn't working the way we wanted it to just go run? Just go do your thing. Just go run truck people and use that 4-4 four, four speed. Maybe. I mean, like that. it is the one thing you can say about him is that the risk factor of being a complete bust at number five is lowered by his ability to just use his legs. All right, maybe he doesn't get it as a passer. I think he might, but let's say he doesn't. Is that enough to offset mitigate some of that risk that you tend to come in? I don't know. That's it's it's tempting. I don't know whether I'm there yet, but it's awfully tempting. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Let me go to uh, David, who's in Lakewood. What's going on, David? Good morning.
0: Hey, hey, good morning, guys. Hey, um, when you uh when you have a pick like this, an opportunity like a top five pick, which we'd never get, um. You got to go for the freak of, you know, the the athlete with a uh, Richardson. I just, uh, I just don't see you passing when you have a uh, someone who's 6'4", 244 pounds, and runs a uh, forty and a 4'4". He reminds me of a uh, got arm strength like Cam Newton, but runs like Lamar Jackson, and it just, you know, you can't you can't pass on it. I know you talk about bust with uh, quarterbacks and everything, but when you have an athlete, usually you don't see them. Um, busting. Usually when you have a quarterback like that, Lamar Jackson, who's all over the place, even like Michael Vick, back in the day, he uh, did some crazy things. Also, when you have someone who's fast like that, his legs will get him out of trouble. And I think when you have someone like that and Walker, I think the running game, what Pete wants to do with running, I think we'll just take our... uh,
2: David, I agree with a lot of that. I'm trying to think who's the biggest bust quarterback who could really run? RG3. Yeah, that's and an injury the, bus. Though. But
3: I feel like that's a concern with the running quarterbacks. Yeah, no, to that's me, true. The one, the, the thing I'll give Russ at this point, even though he's gotten a lot of flack lately, is that he was one of the few running quarterbacks that knew when to give up.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's true.
3: Michael Vick would hang on too late, cause a turnover, get hit, get hurt. Um, Lamar Jackson's, Lamar Jackson's, gotten Jackson's hurt having a lot. injury. Yeah, it's
2: plus he's sick all the it's time. Pretty
3: common with the running. The I mean, well. Quarterbacks Cam not starting wasn't, to run though. more in general. Cam wasn't.
2: But. Cam wasn't hurt all the time. No. I mean, and this guy's built a little closer to Cam than he is to Lamar Jackson. I mean, I, you know, I, I think, Ky, you know, Kyler Murray is another one who can certainly run, but he's so small that he's not in the Josh Allen. This guy's more like Josh Allen. I Manziel's a, a, a scrambler. I mean, but that guy wasn't a top pick. He's no. a disaster. I'm talking about top, like real busts well, that could run, hmm. right? There aren't, it's hard to fully bust if at the very least you can still just go run. Did Vince Young get too big and wasn't around? Vince Young's a good answer. He busted, and he could run. That's a good one. Vince Young was a bust. RG3, I won't say that, because I think he was on the way to being a very good quarterback before they handled him inappropriately in some big moments, and injuries just stole his career. I think RG3 is going to be pretty darn good.
3: But yeah, I just think sometimes that is a concern. Even if they're that athletic, they have to know when to stop. No, that's...
2: Is that then where coaching comes in, time. though? Right? I mean, isn't that what Pete's good at? Sort of helping them understand some of that stuff? Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm talking myself into this. I'm very, very <laughs> nervous about this. So the 206 is like, I hate this. I'm convincing myself to get a quarterback. I know. <laughs> and by the way, a quarterback that a few days ago we were like, all right, maybe a 20. Maybe in the second round. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it's your number five pick. The one that was reserved to fix your defense. Yeah. But gosh, how do you not start thinking about this? 866 979 3776. Maybe Mark and Pualpa will be the voice of reason. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, everybody. You guys are doing a great job, by the way. I really do appreciate you guys. We appreciate you as well. Thank you. Nice of you to say.
1: Yes. All right. So my thing is, I just, these guys in the combine, they're competing against themselves with nobody in their face. They're just, any, I mean, I can throw the ball good with nobody in my face. I can, No, you, you can't. Know, they can run fast. They can do this. No. Nope. I, I don't buy that. Stuff you can't do any of combine. those things.
2: That's not true, Mark. You cannot I, do that.
1: But in my you mind, can
3: run a 4-4 at 6'4", 200. He's bigger than Derrick okay, Henry, okay, as someone yeah. just texted in, and faster than him.
2: That's insane. Okay, but I'm
1: talking about a quarterback. A quarterback that can throw the ball great when nobody's in his face. That's, the combine is just... We know these guys are athletes. Okay, they're athletes. Yay. We need a defensive. <laughs> it's much easier, in my opinion, to be a great defender, a great pass rusher than a great quarterback. Let Pete go. With, let let Geno go. Let Pete work his magic with Drew. I'm so interested in seeing what Drew can do. Take that money and build the defense. That's the, There it is right there. Mark that down. Mark and Puyallup. Boom. That's my
2: thought. (laughs) That's good, Mark. Thank you. And we will mark it down. Everybody, please timestamp this for Mark and Puyallup. Look, uh, Mark's making the argument that essentially I've been making the whole time. So I'm not going to argue with him because I think he's right. And I am finding myself getting convinced and getting caught up in the hype, which is always dangerous. You want to take a little time. You know, my opinion has generally been build up the off, build up the defense rather early. And then maybe if there's a Hendon Hooker or somebody like that in the second round, third round, that that's the spot to at least give it a shot. Because you got to have somebody in here. You got to bring in somebody young that you can start to develop. But then six, four. 244 244-444-440. 4, it's 4, 4, a lot of fours in there, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we
3: got a text and it's it's accurate. I just checked the numbers. Bigger and faster than Dar- Dar- like he ran a faster forty That's than Derrick Henry, and Insane. he's bigger than him. So
2: let, let's say let's say he just can't play quarterback. You stick him in a running back and let him truck people. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Never would. Let me try. Uh, you know, let's go to Mexico. Let's talk to Jorge in Mexico. What's going on, man? Hello, Mike. How you doing, man? I'm good. Good to talk to you.
0: Thank you. Um, so, in order to answer your question, if I will take a quarterback at number five, uh, I don't think so, man. I- I'll rather take a net rusher due to the fact that I think Gino delivered last season. with a good offense. But if some good quarterback is at number 20, I will be very happy.
2: Okay. Yeah, and maybe there will be. I don't. I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to be there. Not after this past week. I mean, I, I don't think any of your top three or four quarterbacks are still going to be there. Twenty. Not given how many teams are interested in quarterback. Let me throw one more. Let me throw one more loophole in there, or one more sort of uh, monkey wrench here. What if Gino's not signed by then? Weird. By the draft. Yeah. Okay. What if he's just sort of not sure what he wants? Now, maybe he can. Maybe he's got to sign before then somewhere. What if he signs somewhere else? What if Gino has signed elsewhere by the time the draft rolls around? That they play this thing where they try to let him figure out the market, and it turns out that the Falcons love Gino. I'm just making up a team. okay? And say, yeah, we'll give you 40. And the Seahawks are like, I'm sorry, we just we can't. Can't do that. You're, we just can't do forty. We were willing to do twenty-five. Somebody's actually going to give you forty million dollars. Good luck to you, man. Enjoy Atlanta. How about now? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about drafting quarterback at number five now? Doesn't change your view on it. No, I don't. You I would, now don't have a quarterback. Well, I'm going to say Drew Lock is not under is not under contract. I don't know whether Drew Locke is here next year or not. He's man. being talked about in Tampa. Right. I mean, like I read today, two quarterbacks Tampa's considering Baker Mayfield and Drew Locke. They don't have any money. So those are options for, for a team like Tampa. So I don't know whether Drew Locke's here. In my scenario, Geno's walked, he's gone somewhere else. Does that change your view on number five?
3: Yeah, it has still, to. Like, yeah. If they love someone there, they still have plenty of picks to work on the defense and spend some money in free agency. See, now you're
2: talking more because that's money that you now don't have to give to your quarterback who's going to be under. See, I think I could be if, if those guys are gone, it changes everything for me. There are other ways to get defense. There are no other ways to get physical freaks like this unless somehow you're trading for Lamar Jackson, which I just don't see happening. So, look, here's the good news for John Schneider. We just had a 25-minute conversation that made it sound as if they could legitimately be interested in a quarterback at number 5. That is exactly what John wants, whether he wants to take one or not. He wants everyone in the league to believe it because if they come crawling for that pick or they think they've got to get ahead of the Seahawks in order to get it, the world is John's oyster. And if he truly wants one of those big defensive players and had his mind set on one of them over the others— this just increases the opportunity he has to get the player he really wants. So, look, they're in a great spot. You got to get it right. You got to do it right. You got you to gotta come up with the correct call. But, man, are they ever in a fantastic spot to do it.